0: It's Rico Daily, I'm Adam Clark Estes. Let's go back to the year 2000. A younger, less bald Jeff Bezos is in Seattle, and he's trying to explain his vision for a new kind of company to a couple of journalists. So
1: you're not a bookstore?
0: No, we're not a book company, we're not a music company, we're not a video company. We're not a toy company or an electronics company, even though we sell all of those things. Instead, we're a customer company. It's a completely new uh, kind of concept. This online marketplace was gonna be a customer's paradise. Anything you want, reviewed and vetted by your fellow shoppers, just a few clicks away. And don't forget, personalization, putting the customer, each individual customer at the center of your universe and then building the perfect store for that customer. So one of the things that that means is that the balance of power shifts away from the merchant and toward the customer, which is a wonderful thing. It's a great thing for the world. It's even good for the merchant as long as the merchant recognizes it. Amazon now calls this customer obsession. It's one of the company's leadership principles. And the pitch to sellers Bezos made over 20 years ago is basically the same one Amazon uses today. If you list your product on our marketplace, will help you reach tons of customers and make a lot of money. But these days, that supposedly symbiotic relationship between business and platform has started to unravel. Amazon's still thriving and making tons of money, but it's getting harder and harder for sellers to do the same. Here to explain, is Recode's Sarah Morrison. Hey, Sarah.
1: Hey, how you doing? Good,
0: so Sarah, what's going on at Amazon Marketplace?
1: Yeah, so when you buy a product on Amazon, 60%-ish of the things you buy from Amazon come from not Amazon, but from these other independent sellers who use it. In order to use Amazon, they have to pay a couple fees. Some of those are mandatory, and some of those are not mandatory, But a lot of sellers feel like they kind of have to pay them if they really want to make these sales at all. And the problem is Amazon used to take a much smaller sort of cut on average from sellers. That cut has grown more and more to where they estimate it to be about 34% of their sales, which, you know, is is a pretty big chunk. According to this new report from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, that's sort of an advocacy group for communities and independent businesses. Basically, they make the case that Amazon has a tremendous amount of power over the sellers who use its marketplace platform and that it's been slowly but surely extracting more fees, which then in turn makes the prices that we pay for those goods higher. And then also that money goes towards funding some of Amazon's you know initiatives that further entrench that power.
0: Right. Those fees in some shape or form have become Amazon's most profitable, fastest growing revenue streams. Right. Sarah, where does the marketplace sit within Amazon's broader business? It's got to be a huge moneymaker for the company, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Amazon is a company that we historically think of as making almost nothing, you know, or losing it. But in the last, you know, several years, they've expanded. They have their cloud computing platform called Amazon Web Services, which I think most people think. That's the big profit driver for the company. But we also have Marketplace. And with all of the fees that these people are paying Amazon in order to sell these things, Amazon is making a lot of money. A lot of that's profit, even more than what they're making from their cloud computing services.
0: Right. Marketplace is pretty much what we think of as Amazon. When you go to Amazon.com and you see all that stuff for sale on the page, that's Marketplace. Can you explain the different kinds of fees a seller might encounter on Marketplace? You mentioned some were mandatory, others were optional.
1: So let's split that out. Mandatory fees are pretty straightforward. You sell something, Amazon gets a cut of that sale. The percentage varies, but I think usually it's about 15%. Then there's the so-called optional fees. When you search for something in Amazon, you'll probably get a bunch of results and like the top couple rows will say like sponsored. And that's people buy ads to have that kind of placement. But increasingly, because Amazon's been trying to expand its ad business and because it can make a lot of money from this, they're doing more and more of these ads. So a lot of sellers feel compelled to buy them where they didn't even before just to be able to place, you know, high enough that people actually see their product to buy it. So that's a fee that's optional. But again, a lot of people feel like they kind of have to pay if they want to maintain the sales they had before. The second one is fulfillment. When you sell something on Amazon, somebody has to pack that item up, ship it off, handle, you know, that whole logistics aspect of the sale. Amazon has a service called Fulfillment by Amazon that they'll do that all for you. The thing is, you have to pay to sort of get your product to their warehouse, store the product in the warehouse, get it, ship it off and handle refunds and returns, you know, and all that stuff. And that's not necessarily like a bad service. I think maybe a lot of sellers, like if you don't have a warehouse, this might be a thing you want to take advantage of. But the report makes the case that that's not always why people are using it.
0: What are the other factors that a seller has to weigh when they want to choose whether to pay Amazon to take care of shipping and storing and such?
1: Well, there's like the obvious ones, like, is it cheaper for me to have them deal with all that stuff than to do it on my own? But then there's the sort of less obvious one that might maybe even be more important. And that's if you use film by Amazon, your products will be eligible for Amazon Prime. And that's very valuable. A lot of people, you're only buying Prime stuff because those are the things that have the free, you know, two-day shipping, And especially if you're a Prime member, that's the thing you feel like you've paid for. So Amazon Prime members might be more likely to, to buy your product, but also because they're more likely to see it at all. Uh, if you have Prime, you're much more likely to get, you know, the coveted, you know, buy box.
0: What is the buy box? That sounds something out of The prices, Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's a, I think it's also called featured offer. But basically, if a bunch of sellers sell the same product, and you search for it, and you click on it, one of them is the one that's going to be shown like on that product page. It's a really big deal to get that. Amazon's algorithms have to choose like one of those several sellers to get that buy box. And some of the factors that go into that decision are, is it Prime eligible? So if it's Prime eligible probably because you use, you know, Fulfillment by Amazon, then you've really increased your chances of getting a sale. If you don't get the buy box, there's like that little, you know, sentence that says, you can see this from other sellers or like a little tiny box under there that says available from other sellers. I don't think a lot of people click on that. So a lot of sellers feel like they just have to sign up for this because that prime label is just so valuable. And that's really the only way most of them can get it.
0: So that sounds like a lot of fees. Do you have any idea how much all that adds up to for Amazon in terms of revenue?
1: Uh, Yeah. So it's hard to say exactly because Amazon does not break these things out in this way. So the report has these estimates that they use by getting the numbers that they do know and trying to draw out sort of inferences about other numbers. But their estimation is that at this point, these seller fees, the mandatory and the optional ones, are accounting for a quarter of Amazon's entire revenue this year. About $121 billion just from these seller fees in 2021, too. And that's a number that's risen, I think, pretty dramatically from previous years.
0: So taking a step back, couldn't you argue that all of this is just Amazon doing good business? What's raising red flags that this system isn't working or isn't fair for sellers?
1: I mean, it's totally valid to say, you know, Amazon's a business. They make money. And these are some things that they've you know, done to make money, and they have. And, you know, if sellers don't like it, they can go They can go somewhere else and use another business. And then the problem with that is that there's not really many other places for them to go. Like I think Amazon has between 40 to 50% of the e-commerce market, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but their next largest competitor, Walmart, is like seven. And therefore, they have a huge amount of power over that market. They sort of have responsibility, and I think even legally in some cases, not to abuse that dominance. And so you can say some of these practices might be doing that. You kind of got to follow Amazon's rules. You know, sellers on Amazon can't offer their product for a lower price anywhere else. Then you've made it very difficult for any other marketplace to try to compete with them because, you know, the thing that a lot of customers will go for, the cheaper price, that doesn't, you know, exist. So that's huge. Right. So now you have sellers that if they don't sell on Amazon, they kind of they're just not going to be able to get the same kind of sales anywhere else. So they basically feel locked in to Amazon and following all of their rules.
0: Oof. So that means that I feel like I'm seeing the cheapest prices on Amazon, and that's by design because sellers aren't really allowed to offer lower prices elsewhere.
1: Right. So that is what concerns a lot of sort of lawmakers and regulators, and it concerns sellers. And if you're an Amazon customer, which a lot of people are, it maybe should concern you because if, you know, Amazon is increasingly taking more fees and it's cutting into sellers profit margins to the point where they don't have any profit, they're going to have to raise their prices to account for that. And that means you're going to be paying more and it doesn't just mean you're going to be paying more if you buy it from Amazon because Amazon also has these policies that say you basically have to offer the same price elsewhere that you do on our platform or else you know we'll we'll punish you like maybe you don't get that buy box anymore or we'll suspend your listings you know or things like that so those kinds of practices and again the impact that they could have on your wallet are where people you know start to get concerned and start to say You're abusing all this power you've built up. This isn't fair. And people are paying the price for your success in ways that are anti-competitive.
0: So all this sounds like a mess for almost everyone involved except Amazon. How do we fix this situation?
1: Well, Amazon denies a lot of this information in the report, including a lot of the figures that they gave out. They didn't provide their own, but they say, look, these are our practices. They're fine. A lot of our sellers do really well. A lot of them are very happy. A lot of them choose to pay these fees because they like the services that they get for those fees. And probably for some sellers, that's true. I'm not going to say it's not. But obviously we wouldn't be here if every single person felt like Amazon was great and doing the right thing. So we do have lawmakers and regulators who say there is a problem and they are trying to do something. The European Union's uh, European Commission is investigating you know, if Amazon gives preferential treatment to itself and to the sellers who use Fulfillment by Amazon when it comes to who gets that buy box. The District of Columbia, and then there's also a class action lawsuit from consumers separately. Both, you know, suing over that fair pricing policy and its potential to inflate prices, you know, on Amazon and across the Internet. And then finally, you know, several members of Congress, this is bipartisan, bicameral, you know, members of Congress have proposed sort of a slate of bills. And some of them do address some of these practices that Amazon does that they believe need to be better legislated.
0: And what about the author of this new report? Did she offer up any solutions?
1: Yeah, so Stacy Mitchell has been doing this for a while. She's been studying and, and mostly an opponent of Amazon's practices for a while. And her solution was probably the most drastic, which is just to break Amazon up.
0: Or as we've discussed on this show before, maybe we could just all buy less stuff.
1: You know, or just think carefully about who you buy it from.
0: Fair enough. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Today's episode was produced by Taylor Macon and engineered by Melissa Ponce from Hemlock Creek Productions. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening.